0: Welcome back to Three Decades of Tragedy, history of the Thirty Years' War. So last time we discussed the content and the Catholic reaction to the edicts of restitution. And at the end of that, I previously mentioned we were going to move on to the enforcement and Protestant reaction to it, which I will be covering here. In terms of enforcement, many people in the Habsburg structure opposed edicts, like I mentioned last time, and that also included Wallenstein, who even wrote letters to Johann George, who was the elector of Saxony, if you remember from the Danish War. A good example of this was the city of Magdeburg. Magdeburg was put under a blockade for 28 weeks, starting in March 1630, but it wasn't primarily even about the edict, actually. It was suspected the primary motive was more about enforcing controlling the merchants and the trade through the city the city disliked that armies used the elbe river for transporting grain and the local leaders spoke out against the implementation of a garrison in the city which would effectively be ignoring an imperial order they claimed the emperor Otto had exempted them from military obligations 700 years before though that was contradicted by the fact that they were an imperial city legally which meant they had obligations to provide militarily for the empire which is not uncommon in this time period, in the medieval time period. People would do whatever claims they needed to get what they wanted, and it is what it is. But it's just funny that it came out to be so contradictory. It was like, oh yeah, we don't have to do military service, as they're then obligated to do it because of their status as an imperial city within the empire. Wallenstein, despite his usual aggressive reactions to things, actually responded to this calmly and patiently. He accepted mediation by the Hanseatic League which resulted in the council getting restructured, which was a popular demand at the time due to internal power stuff going on in the city. He also dropped the demand for a garrison, and he exempted them from the edict for a payment of $150,000, which was accepted, the Hanseatic League adding another 50000 and the Imperials tore down their encampments, but kept a loose cavalry unit in the area to make sure things stayed on course. Wallenstein didn't even try to push for the Emperor's son's getting the position of Archbishop of the area, which the Emperor wanted, which this to me shows that his dislike for the Emperor's push and this policy. His son was eventually put in the position anyways, but this came through Ferdinand helping depose the current prince and getting his son elected. So, more personal stuff there, but just, it's funny how Wallenstein wouldn't do it because of issues with the edict, at least from my reading of the situation. One of the difficulties Ferdinand ran into when he had to deal with restoring church lands was the fact that many of these lands had been under the control of the Protestants for 70 plus years, some sooner than others, but many of them had been so modified by this point, such as the churches and monasteries getting torn down and other things put in place, that it wasn't the same land. They couldn't just put new people in the same churches they had to rebuild all their churches and everything and like i mentioned before a lot of the people who owned the land originally were dead so the new owners especially jesuits really had to try to assert their authority in the area sometimes being too pushy this was only encouraged by the fact that there was a rush by the catholics to convert german land to catholicism and the edict just gave them more authority on top of the whole re recathol- process There was other strife, too. The bishops in the area, well, the Catholic ones specifically, wanted the monasteries to be incorporated into their sees, which led to infighting among the Catholics, because the monasteries were actually independent from the Catholic diocese of the area. So they would have their own authority, and bishops wanted their more influence spread. So this would damage the image of the Catholic Church in the Empire due to the fact that there was disunity, and it didn't help that the it didn't help that many of the Catholics were being opportunistic about claiming their devotion to the Catholic Church to go get land. Some of them might have only converted a couple of years before, but they were suddenly super devoted to Jesus, and they wanted to restore the Catholic Church's land but they just wanted it for their own gain. The end result of this was many Catholics who actually wanted good relations with Protestant neighbors and who either wanted to go through the legal process of getting lands or just wanted to coexist with the Protestants were viewed suspiciously, which just created more disunity within the empire. And the Catholics in the empire, on top of that, had the issue of not having enough nuns, monks, bishops, all your Catholic positions, there weren't enough of them. So they couldn't really replace all the areas, and the ones that did replace the existing Protestants were less qualified than the Protestants. Again, not all of them, but... These people would many times lack the local communication that the Protestants did and just were there because they wanted their chunk of land, not because they wanted to be there for the people. Not to say that there weren't Protestants who probably were greedy about that too, but that many of them had been there for decades at this point. And on the Protestant side of this whole thing, one thing that Ferdinand kept running into during this whole conflict, or edict issue, was that because he treated the edict as a legal mechanism and not a spiritual mechanism, people were using legal methods to challenge it. For example, in some cases, it meant that a local landlord, especially if they were higher up, could have their land taken from them, but if they were in a high position, say, like a duke or a prince they still had the legal right to tax the land that was just taken from them because it's still within their duchy or their domain or their kingdom. So, in the end, it didn't hurt them because they still had the tax revenue from that. Well, it's probably less because they weren't directly running it. It wasn't just some simple thing of, oh, he didn't have any more. It was, no, it's still his by legal right of being the owner of a duchy. It is one way that I see how Ferdinand fundamentally overestimated his influence and power as well as being blind to the reality of politics of the empire because of just the constitution of the empire and just the sheer divided power structure of it and informalness of it at times. The edict also alienated moderate Lutherans who had no issue with the emperor, and it created impossible expectations for militant Catholics. The Catholics acted like they could do what they want, but they didn't realize that politics doesn't necessarily conform to idealism, so they would push for land and power, etc., but they wouldn't make people happy. The other thing is, Ferdinand basically drew a line in the sand. Before, it was on a case-by-case basis or whenever you went to a legal court. Now, this is how it should go with the edict, which made it hard for the Empire to back up on this without losing major face, especially because this is a major political move of the emperor personally. Johann George tried to give him an out by saying the Peace of Augsburg could only be modified by mutual consent, and that cases should be done on an individual basis. He argued that Catholics should also moderate themselves and go about this less confrontationally, which would hopefully create more cooperation between the various parts of the empire. Fernand wasn't exactly appreciative of this, even if it wasn't treason, because he wasn't demanding it, he was just suggesting this to the emperor. And I think this is a more reasonable claim to do, especially be- because many Catholics did have valid reasons to get land back. But because he suggested this to the militant Protestants, this was like he was creating a new confessional alliance and siding with the Catholics, which they didn't want because their land were getting taken. So they complained about him in politics, which made it harder for George to convince Catholics of this new method because the other side were complaining about him too, so the Milton Catholics could just ignore his suggestion, which is another potential peaceful method that got ignored. That will be a trend about this. Among the Protestants, talks had opened up in Brandenburg in October 1629, eventually leading to a joint summit and Annenberg in April 1630 to try to bridge the gap between the Lutherans and the Calvinists in the face of the edict and try to figure out how to take the least amount of damage possible from this. Because they knew they probably weren't going to get rid of the edict. They wanted to see how to create a better situation. Some people suggested that this be brought up in an electoral congress that was happening in July 1630, but Johann Dörr shut that down because it was too divisive and would create a lot more issues. Because of that, the talk stayed behind the scenes. If there was a Protestant invention that would be known, then in theory it could actually pressure the Catholics to negotiate, since hearing rumors about Protestants organizing to discuss politics could be seen as, okay, they're kind of unifying, what can we do to pacify them? I don't think it would have been likely, but we don't know, because things went fast after this, but we will cover that once we start talking about Sweden. One popular idea that caught on was not stopping the edict, but delaying it for 50 years. Effectively, what it would do is it would allow the empire to build up the groundwork to help make this a much more realistic process, compensate the right families, do it much more reasonably. And this idea was actually accepted by most representatives, even Maximilian privately, aka Maximilian of Bavaria. But there was pushback on his ideas, especially after Wallenstein's actions at Magdeburg and not enforcing the edict. Maximilian became shakier on it, and eventually he withdrew his support, stopping the idea dead in the water, which meant that it floundered and died, which, in hindsight, he regretted immensely. This compromise, in my book, was one of the more reasonable ways to create peace in regards to the edict, because it would effectively allow the groundwork to be built that would make this much less hated and much more legal but the militants on both sides, especially the Catholics, made this impossible, leading to a decade and a half of more religious violence. But beyond all that, there is three major issues that came about through the reaction to the edicts. The first major thing we've sort of covered, which is the Catholics were divided on their support, with important Catholic leaders opposing or not fully supporting the edicts. This weakened the Catholic cause, especially in the face of the loss at Brettenfelds and the success of the Swedish during 1630 and 1631 and the fact that the empire was already a decentralized system and that many catholics weren't going along with it gave the dissident catholic voices if you want to call the people who oppose the edict that they had legitimacy through the system the second edict was it was a blunder in the face of the swedish intervention the swedish did not jump into the war because of the edict there was already stuff building up for that But what it did was it pushed German Protestants, especially northern ones, into the arms of the Swedish, who saw him as a king who could save them, which did not look good for the, you know, guy who was the king of the HRE, or emperor of the HRE. The Swedish also wrecked any chance of the Peace of Lübeck from extending to the empire as a whole, because... All of a sudden they are drawn back into the war and all that land they took w- could be taken back from them. and They can't be given out for the peace and establishing loyalty to the Habsburgs, etc, etc. Before the Swedish... The Protestants probably would have swallowed some of the land that are getting taken and having to pay restitution, as some of it was valid and many had had to do it before the Danish war and even after the Danish war. But the sheer scale of the edict made this impossible because it was one policy and set in stone what was going to happen, which led to widespread disillusionment from the Protestant Germans. And the last issue was the fact that the edict seemed to go against the constitution of the HRE. Even those who agreed with it still wondered if this was the best way to deal with the covering property, especially for the more aggressive mechanisms. Most people thought that individual cases were better than just a blanket rule. So looking at claims, who are the better claim? It could be kangaroo or rigs in some cases, but... Looking at it case by case could spare some people from just getting the land taken by opportunistic people from the Catholic side. Even militant Catholics thought this should be done through legal methods, so they agreed with the treatment of the edict as a legal one and not a spiritual thing, which showed that this was a legal matter, not a spiritual matter. And like I mentioned earlier in the episode, that could have legitimate complaints against it. Ferdinand was actually shocked because he thought this was in his constitutional rights as the emperor, but he was just confused when he saw people were resisting fulfilling the edict or saying this is going too far. His head was not in the sand, but he wasn't up in the clouds maybe, something like that. He was not looking at it from the ground. And the fact that many of the resistance to the edict not came about through armed conflict, armed rebellion, but it was sending legal complaints and compromises to try to solve it showed that it was kind of a failure and that people really didn't agree with this. Like, land was recovered, but people who challenged the edicts or tried working around it, and only really extremists were fully in support of the action. And it didn't help him that Gustavus had intervened during the process, which drove Protestants to the Swedish side to save their lands. Well, even if Sweden hadn't, then this would have been a long legal conflict that would just create disunity among the population, and it probably would be just a mess to deal with, especially with the mess of the legal system of the hre and what didn't help both sides was every single time someone tried to make a compromise or some idea that would try to make both people a little happy that would get shut down or stopped which led to more division because people kept saying no one was solving the problem i think it comes down to Ferdinand let the rush of victory get to his head well from the danish specifically and his idealism towards making catholicism the dominant religion of the empire left room for instability to form well there certainly were more issues that created this instability There's never just one thing. This was a major mistake that backfired, especially after the victory against the Danish, which, if he had been smarter... My opinion, at least, is he should have moderated and done a similar thing to the Bohemian Revolt, which is take property, land, etc., but don't mess with religion. Because that was a driving force behind the war, even if it wasn't the only source. But for now, we're going to move off the topic of, well, I don't think we'll ever move off the topic of religion, but for now we're going to stop focusing on religion as a enforcement tool, and we're going to cover that little electoral congress that I mentioned earlier next week. And in a couple weeks, we should be getting to the Swedish. So, I hope you guys are excited for that, because we can finally start the war after like 8, 9, 10 episodes of this build-up. So thank you for listening and I hope you are enjoying it. Social media links will be in the description box or on the links themselves. You can email me at 3DECOT at gmail.com. Reminder about the Patreon. Thank you to those who support me. And please review and spread the word. And I'll see you guys next time.